Tissot Pop, Season 4, Episode 6. Hello and welcome to Tissot Pop. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about teaching maths to English learners is teacher Andy Chan. Andy has been working as a maths tutor since 2008 and is going to join an international school in the coming autumn. He's passionate about how students learn maths and finding new ways in which he can tailor to learners' needs. The reason why he's here today is before he moved into teaching maths, he actually studied the Cert TESOL course in Hong Kong and has experience in living in both worlds of teaching English and also maths. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. In today's episode, we're going to talk about teaching maths to English learners. And today's episode is not just about maths, but it's about the challenges learners encounter when studying a subject in another language and how we as teachers can support them. A good place to start would be to address why we've chosen this topic for today's podcast, because there'll be some listeners tuning in thinking, why are we talking about maths? How on earth does ESL and maths even connect? Could you tell us more about why you chose this as a topic and a bit about your context of where you've taught? Yeah, I I mean, a lot of people think that maths and English are very, very separated. But over the years where, for myself, coming from the mathematics camp and then um, spending some time in the T-cell course, going branching into the into no man's land, as we, as I would say, uh, for the English camp, and then now trying to just stay in no man's land and trying to educate my students between both maths and English is actually very, very intertwined together. Um, I kind of want to be able to showcase that English will help mathematical ability, and it's not always completely separated and the same thing with maths like logical thinking and those kind of things will also help um, English language as well. I imagine with the context where you've taught before where you've had learners who don't speak English as their first language they're learning a language but they're in a context where they need to use English to study maths that can be also where there's some challenges that come up in class where they get the concept, but when it comes to expressing it in another language, that can be where it can get really challenging, right? Yeah, yeah. Because maths in itself is kind of like a, a universal language, there isn't any kind of split between uh, between the different regions where mathematics is learned. Um, the only changes are the... Um, the articulation in the actual language of study. The so, for example, if if a student was doing everything in English, they'll probably be able to answer everything in English. And the same thing in French, Cantonese, etc. But then, if you've got a second language learner trying to then learn in that particular language, but then aren't a first language speaker in that language, it is quite difficult. I've I have noticed in in recent years um, more so than actually them understanding the maths. They always get the maths. They just never understand how to tell me what they want to do. What strategies do you find work well when presenting new maths concepts to your learners to support their understanding, given that they're using English as a second language? Hmm. So some of the things I normally like to do, because there are a lot of keywords in maths, and a lot of the times these these words are normally, especially for second language learners, they they will really not know what these words are. so I normally like to showcase these keywords so that they know what the words are. Um, highlight that these are the words that we're going to focus on. These are the techniques that they are called. But then I ask them, what do you think it means? So that they can then try to start thinking about 
using their language skills to try and decipher what the word means. So I'm still incorporating different areas of my ESL training into this so that they can actually start thinking about, oh, what could this word possibly mean? And then have a have a little guess. And then afterwards, I start showing them examples of how they do these question types with this particular keyword. And then at the end of the lesson or partway through the lesson, I will ask the question again, what do you think this word means? So that they can actually then kind of evaluate, change, um, maybe improve upon their original definition of the word, etc. When I think back to maths classes, I also think about the public exams where you'd often have proportions of the exam where there'd be descriptive passages where students have to decipher the meaning and then work out the formula or the answer uh, from that. I have an example of this from a Hong Kong DSE mock paper from 2021. Uh, this paper is actually uh, by Dr. Kuba Ku, Mathematics Academy. And this example says, the cost of a bottle of orange juice is the same as the cost of two bottles of milk. The total cost of three bottles of orange juice and five bottles of milk is $132. Find the cost of a bottle of milk. So that's an example there that I imagine would be really challenging for a language learner to decipher. And I wonder, how do you help build learners' reading skills in this context of studying math so they can interpret and therefore answer the question, essentially? Yeah, this is a very interesting problem. uh, uh, Because I can already see that the very first sentence is already going to confuse a lot of people because a lot of a lot of students will just say, I don't know how much it costs, um, which is generally what normally happens. I always say to everyone to read it one particular sentence at a time. Now, when I say a sentence, I don't mean like a full sentence at the end of a full stop. I mean any point where you see punctuation, normally a comma uh, or a full stop, uh, stop, digest, evaluate, and then write down the things that you infer from this information. Um, and then from each each sentence, I can try to simplify the way that students really need to answer these questions. So for example, step number one would be read it. Step number two is what do we know from the thing that we read? Uh, number three is what can we infer from this information and then what are thing what are the things that we don't know from the things that we have just read and then you can move on so there effectively there are four different steps when a student looks at each sentence they should always think to themselves what have i just read does it make sense why does it not make sense are there anything else that i can take from my repertoire of information that i know and then um can I find out more information? If I Do I need to find out more information? Oh, let's read the next sentence. What more information can I find out? And then they flow on from there. A lot of students that have done it in this particular way do realize that they've actually answered the question before they've actually finished reading the question. And this is, this is very, very helpful because it does actually build their confidence. And it also breaks away that kind of need when students go into a math classroom where they see question, they want answer. They see question, they want answer. But when you break it down one sentence at a time, you actually can actually answer the question. And when you say getting students to write down things, do you mean write out in maths, uh, in uh, numbers and stuff, what what they can see in the question? 
it could be both. It could be the numbers that they find out. Because if you look at this particular the question, it says the, the first part of the question is, is the cost of a bottle of orange juice is the same as the cost of two bottles of milk. You can see from here, you can do some sort of conclusion. So you can say, oh, a bottle of orange juice is equal to two bottles of milk. You can write that down. It doesn't necessarily have to be numbers. It could be words, right? If mm, you're inferring you can draw this out. Uh, a lot of people are very different. I'm not going to say no to someone drawing things out, but that is already quite vital information. The only issue is, is that it's not done in a mathematical way. So you have to write it in a mathematical way. So if you write it in the English underneath, you could just say O equals 2M. So then they can actually start to condense their understanding a little bit more because then they, once they see things written down, they actually can filter more information out because every, when everything's in their head especially for a language learner every, everything's in their head they can't visualize it they can't see it they need to be able to see something so that they can actually work with something another question i have about studying maths in this context of working with esl students or eal students uh, how do you support students in de developing and demonstrating their understanding of a concept, whether they have to demonstrate something through a presentation, for example, in class, and they need to use language to express how something works or a case study they've worked on, or whether they need, may need to write something or do other project work where they demonstrate and express their understanding of something? How do you support them? I would say for me to kind of get my students to really understand what they are doing, I actually don't want to read what they have done. I prefer them to tell me their story and actually articulate everything in words. And I can hear that they understand what those words mean that they have used and also that they know how to form sentences in their working because if in their head they can actually say all of these things out they can also write these things out as well um and that way i know if a student really really does understand if they're using all the correct terminology if they're using all of the uh the 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 correct way of organizing their words as well there is one other thing that I normally do with my students because there's a lot of terminology to learn. Uh, I actually do make my students write, write, write everything down. And I always say to them, I was like, write it somewhere else. So a lot of my students have like a, like a little book that they carry with them in, in maths, not their notebook, but it's like an extra book where they write all of their words in and the keywords, terminology, uh, strategies and everything so that they have somewhere where they can look through and be like, oh, I need to do this. I could do this when I'm, when I'm answering a question and so that they are demonstrating. And when I go to ask them to tell me their story, I do expect them to refer to this particular book and actually find what they're trying to use. It, may, it could be the technique or it could be the terminology so that they know how to use it when they are then articulated back out to me later on. Like a little study resource. Yeah. So, for example, when you're a language learner, a, a really good way of learning the language is, is writing down words that you hear, right? And then looking up the definitions. It's the same thing for my students for this particular book. I, I, call, I like to call it the book of everything. Um, like they put in formulas, they put in keywords, they put in techniques, things that they have now said, okay, this is how I will do this particular question. Because I don't, even though that, I show my students how to answer a question. So for example, how to solve a quadratic. I then ask them, write down what your 
steps, your methodology to answer these questions yourself so that when you go to answer these questions, you will do what you have written down. Because if you look at an exercise book, a student will always like put it in a nice pretty box blah 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 but then there's so much other stuff inside the book you can never find it so i've said to all my students you need a book of everything it could be for english it could be for maths but these are things that you will use as like a very very key revision study guide thing for yourself nice i really love that idea of a book of everything i think that could be transferable to so many subjects like you say where you take little notes down yeah. for things that you can transfer recycle use again or new concepts that you want to keep on reviewing to kind they get it into your memory bank so to speak it's also quite interesting because when a student writes something down in another subject and then they start hearing that kind of definition in another one they can then be like oh oh i know what the answer to this is maybe i don't know i'm not sure they could ask a lot of different questions then they could start searching for it and so that is it is it so for example in science the teacher could be describing something and then ask the question well what do you think this is and then the student could think wait i've kind of done this in maths and then they could look up the definition and be like is it related to this and they're like yes it is exactly that that is the thing that we're talking about so like they can then start seeing the relationships between the different subjects not just like oh this this word is in maths or this word is in English or this word is in science. It's very nice to bridge everything together. Well, I really think this conversation we had today has been really helpful in kind of building bridges. And I hope that listeners today, if you are working in a school, this may open up opportunities to have a conversation with other departments and find ways in which uh, you can collaborate, whether it's doing peer observations, co-lesson planning, um, doing co-teaching. I think this is a wonderful way to kind of uh, promote those type of conversations so thank you Andy so much for coming on the show today and giving up your time and sharing your experience no it's been a pleasure I've really really enjoyed myself if you would like to learn more from Andy and ask him follow-up questions about teaching maths to English learners then you can get in contact with him on his Instagram I'm going to hyperlink his name on the website to his Instagram page so you can get in touch as always, if you have a question or an idea to pitch, then you can get in touch with us via Facebook, Instagram, or the website, tsopop.com. If you love what we do at Tsopop, then you can support us by posting a rating review wherever you listen to podcasts, sharing content with your teaching community, or by even sponsoring our coffee break at ko forward slash Tsopop. Tsopop.